0: Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYourSixCoffee.com, 6 where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at GotYourSixCoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation Podcast. Recently I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Nick Bogats. He's the owner and founder of Calienta Pizza Draft House author of The Pizza Equation, podcaster at The Business Equation, and World Pizza Champion team member. He's won numerous awards, including the Best Pizza in America 2019, World Pizza Championship Best Non-Traditional Pizza 2018, Best Pan Pizza in the World, and Best Bar in Pittsburgh. He's made over nine million in gross revenue, owns five Greater Pittsburgh Pizza locations, and is included in the top 25 independent pizzerias in the United States. I am amped to bring to GetUp Nation, Nick Bogats. Welcome.
1: Benjamin, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great to talk. The research that I've been doing, you're such an inspiring figure. I love your intensity and your drive. I love your orientation toward team experiences in your workplaces and how you've just, you're just killing it in every way. And so let's get into this. You know, you're 17 years old, you're working at a car wash, a buddy comes over and he's making more money selling pizzas and delivering pizzas. What happened from there? Well, you did do your
1: research. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's definitely how that's how the story started there. You know, I, I fell in love with the team atmosphere of the pizza business. You know, I was a, a sports fan my whole life, but I was a skinny beanpole, which which equates to one thing coach and I had younger brothers, so I was the coach of their floor hockey team and the third base coach and kept kept score of their baseball games. And when I found the pizza industry, I just loved it. You know, from the moment that somebody picks up a phone or takes the order, and then hands it off to the guy who stretched the dough, he hands it off to the guy who sauces it, cheeses it, to the oven make oven tender and then over all the way to the driver who takes it to a, a family that's you know, everyone's always excited when the pizza guy shows up. So you oh, show yeah. up and uh excited pizza guy, pizza guy and and I just fell in love with it. That's really what it was. And I, I wrecked a bunch of cars early, you know, under the I probably wrecked uh, five times at five good wrecks too. So doing that, I, I ended up inside and, and who needs to go and, and go to college? Cause I'm already, you know, 19 and a shift manager at a, at a restaurant, you know, that was really the start of it.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. And you had, you had some kids early, you were 21, 22 years old. You had a couple kids to feed. You had your passion for what's going on at work. You're constantly advancing, trying to advance in your career and you just studied the game you studied the whole thing you you were intense about it you you read books and sprints over 6 months periods over and over the empire that you have right now of pizzas is something that was born in that drive in you to advance tell me how that passion continues to fire today gets you up every day with you know rewarding work and satisfaction cuz basically pizza is magic man people love pizza it never gets old people want it at their parties they want it you know, to comfort themselves. It's it's a it's a thing that during COVID-19, people get a pizza and it brings back a sense of normalcy. It brings back some of the good things in life. So tell me about that and how you just handled the game. You just took pizza and made it what it is today. Tell me about it.
1: Sure. So I think a lot of it started when, you know, we were talking about the 21, 22. I had, we had kids very, very early. We'll be married 20 years now, my wife and I. And I realized that I had to go to move on from being a shift manager i needed to be a general manager and i did that you know a lot of people look at caliente now and they look at the five stores and they look at all the sales and they think it's an overnight success and i think one reason that i really wanted to be on your show was you know the the fact that you really speak to adversity and what it takes to overcome obstacles in your life and you know my story really i'm forty-two 42 now and i bought caliente eight years ago so there's a time gap in there, you know, from, from 22 to 34. What what happened in that time gap? You know, it's not an overnight success. It wasn't that I got lucky. It wasn't that I had a rich uncle that gave me all this money to start my own business. What what happened in that gap? And I think, you know, that's where it gets interesting. I always was one of those guys who worked 80, 90 hours a week. I was grinding before there was people on the internet talking about grinding. <laughs> you know, I was before anyone knew what the hell that meant. <laughs> and you know, there were where I had five jobs and, and ninety to hundred hours a week, just, you know, doing everything I can. I, I literally bought a hundred and eighty thousand dollar house delivering pizzas because I was delivered for three different places. You know, there's lots of different parts of it. I was delivery driver for you know, back to being a delivery driver, what happened was is I was a, a great sales builder at a young age. I could take a store that was doing six thousand and take it to twelve thousand. You mentioned reading books, I would if I needed something to figure something out, I'd read guerrilla marketing, like for a sales book. And then I could never say that there was something in particular that stuck out, but it was the concept to get out there and go get sales. And, you know, everything seemed like it was going really well. I got an opportunity to move my young family when we were 26 and my kids were a little bit older, still like preschool age, to wilkes which is across Pennsylvania, might as well be another state. It's about five hours away. And it took a store from 15,000 to 25,000 out there. And I like to say that, you know, 27 years old, that we got homesick and that's why we moved home. But the truth was from that time I was 17 to 27, I really developed an alcohol and drug addiction. And being in the restaurant business, working late hours and stuff like that, it was very accessible. And my wife said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here. And I don't care if you come back with me or not, I'm out. And, you know, the next morning, I realized I had no kids, no job because I quit because I was, I was going home to try and fix this, you know, no wife, no car, no phone at the time, you know, really no place to live. And, you know, I say like I reached down for the toilet paper. There was no toilet paper. And that's when I just said, you know, God, if you're real, like, like take over because I I can't do it on my own. And from that, that's really where the the story really starts, you know, is, is right after that. And I went home. That was in September. Mother-in-law said, Hey, there's some counseling at the local church that I go to. And I, I thought that was great because I thought my wife needed it because who would be crazy to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to the, uh, the counseling and she said, Hey, look, I'll, I'll help you, but you've got to go and you've got to talk to the drug and alcohol counselors first and go to the classes. And I, I said, all right, I'll try it out. And I walked into the room and, and i got an elevator and I was so nervous and, the guy said first name and he said, Bruce. And I said, Nick, and he turned out he was the, one of the pastors at the church, but he took me in the room and I just worked those rooms. And I can say in October, it'll be 15 years, uh, alcohol and, and drug free. And that was, you know, like I said, I like to say, that's where the story really starts. Wow. And you know, what I kept hearing after I was able to, we got back together three months later, I was living at my mom. She was living at her mom's. The kids were living at her mom's. You know, it was a, like a three month break, and she could see I was serious about changing my life. And, you know, she just didn't want to, she knew the path I was going down. So, it, it, you know, being able to say, hey, look, I am changing, and it took a long time. But I think th- the point I'm trying to make is after that, I was like, okay, I got to get out of the pizza business. You know, everybody was on me f- to get a real job because, of course, what I was doing in the pizza business and the restaurants isn't considered a real job. You know, you hear that all, all the time when you're not doing a normal nine to five job so i started selling radio advertising and great tip out there for anybody looking for a regular job but i think hopefully most people listening to your show are are trying are unemployable like me so they're going to start their own business (laughs) you know great tip was the last question i always ask in an interview when they say hey do you have any more questions you know question i love to ask is yes why wouldn't you hire me you know and and you get a lot of truth there and and one of the things the radio station said well yeah because you know, you never sold anything. And I told them about how, when I was at the pizza shop, I would go to the school board and get, you know, 5,000, $10,000 contracts to sell pizzas for the school lunch and, and so on and so forth with different uh, cafeterias and, and football stadiums, and basketball stadiums. So they hired me. And for six months I sold radio and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I didn't like being in an office. I hated Cold calling anybody out there that can cold call God bless you because that is one of the toughest things there is, you know? Yeah, yeah. It really is. So then, you know, to to kind of fast forward, I hated it. I got back to delivering pizzas. That's where I was delivering three shops, 90 hours a week, bought the house. And then I was probably about 30, and I kept hearing the same thing, that I needed to get a real job. Even though, you know, we were able, every year we went on that one-week vacation with the kids, never missed one, and we had a nice house in, in a nice nice suburban part of Pittsburgh. But I kept hearing that I needed a real job. So I went ahead and took the post office test. And I passed and I became a mailman. So here I was as a mailman, 40, 50 hours a week, delivering pizzas at three other places. Still, so I kept those jobs. And then I also, uh, while I was at the post office, a guy said to me, hey, I'm delivering or I'm counting money at the Civic Arena for all the penguin games, Pittsburgh Penguins. Would you like to count money? And I said, sure. So now I had five jobs. And like I said, I, I was just working these five jobs, 90, hours a week. And I knew when I got to the post office that that's where dreams go to die. You know, people go there and they say, hey, in 30 years, I can cash out, get my pension, and I'm done. And I was like, that's not me. I was like, I don't know why it's pizza, but that's what I'm good at. And I want to do it forever. And I really talk about the reading. What happened was, is I got into running a, a college store. So what happened was, is I'm, I'm delivering those three jobs. I'm counting money. And I'm also uh, at the post office. Well, the the Papa John's that I'm at says, hey, we know your history. Would you be our general manager? And at first I said no, because my buddy was running the store. I didn't want to take his job. Well, a year later, he wasn't. they fired him then. And then a year later, they came to me and said, hey, we're going to get rid of this guy who I had no ties to. Would you take his job? And I said, sure. Because I thought now I can get down for five jobs and two jobs. But now I have two full-time jobs. So <laughs> still, 90, hours a week. But what what I was learning was it was a college store with a lot of college kids. And every weekend they would tell me that they needed to go ahead and take off for the weekend to study. And I said, well, what are you doing? They said, we're reading. So that's really where I started being a very avid reader. I said, I didn't go to college. Maybe that's what I missed. So negotiating six months worth of negotiating books, financial help for, you know, just the individual reading those, self-help, help, everything. And then one book kept popping up in all the books. You know. How But when you read a book, sometimes they'll say, like, hey, read this book. Like, you know, the author likes this book. And the book that kept popping up was Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. So when I read Think and Grow Rich, everything changed. Everything. The words just popped off the the page to me. And I started to put the $200 bills that I had to my name in my pocket. And, you know, they were – that's what I was touching every day were those $100 bills. And I had – I wrote out a giant, you know, goals of one year, three year, five year, 10 year. And man, I'll tell you what, there is power in the pen. And, you know, I just started acting like I had this pizza shop already. And I had this, this company and I was already a industry leader and all this stuff was already done in my head. I could see it every night and every morning I was, you know, gratitude for everything I had now, but I also was going through gratitude and affirmations for stuff that I didn't even have yet, but I was acting like I, I had it already. And that's what was crazy. So I took that Papa John's I was running, never been a million dollar store. I took it in 22 years. So it became a million dollar store the first year I ran it. I took it from $26,000 in profits to $146,000. Wow. I went to the owner, said, you know what? If you guys pay me what I make between the two jobs, I'll never leave. You know, I mean, there was part of me that everything I was reading, I knew I wanted my own company. But there was another part of me that was that normal, you know, scared person to go work for, to go do your own thing, to take the risk, yeah. just that normal, you know, person. And, and I was like, you know, no one in my family, my immediate family was entrepreneurs. So it was like, you know, I said, pay me what you, in between what I make the two jobs, I'll never leave. And they said, Nick, the truth is, we are numbers? You know, we've got eight Taco Bells, five Arby's six Papa John's, like it's all numbers. We're paying you industry wages and if you leave, we'll probably just sell the store. Like it never did good before you got there. It's doing great now. We'll just cash out on 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 you. And I said, okay. Then I said, well that's it. I'm opening my own shop. I said, I don't have a penny to my name. I was the king of five hundred dollar cars. I mean the absolute king. So I had a, a car with five dollar junkyard tires on it, you know, <laughs> three donuts, you know, one window didn't work. And I've always just, like, had – that's kind of the cars we drove. I didn't believe in debt because I was Dave Ramsey disciple. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk into pizza shops and, and tell them that I'm, I want to buy their shop and see what happens. I walked into five. First couple were like, get the hell out of here. The fifth guy said, okay, my buddy has a shop over in Bloomfield, which is about five minutes from the University of Pittsburgh. I walked in, and I said, oh, shit, it's a bar. Here's a guy that, you know, for seven years at time hasn't drank. Went in the back, all the numbers matched up, all the, everything looked great, full pizza kitchen. My wife said to me, you know, are you going to be okay? And I said, look, it's a means to the ends. You know, that was at that time, if she had a a wine party or some kind of party or I needed to go to liquor store, I wouldn't even go for it. You know, I just wouldn't. I I didn't put myself in that situation, but this was the means to the ends. I didn't plan on buying a 150 seat restaurant with 24 taps you know, really make it, you know, become one of the greatest beer bars in Pittsburgh. But that was the opportunity and it was a means to the ends. And when I sat down to buy it, the guy said, OK, it's one hundred eighty five thousand. I said, great. I want to buy it. I said, now, how am I going to pay you? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't have any money. And he said, well, <laughs> what, what the hell's going on here? And I said, look, you want to sell it, right? He, he said, yeah. And I said, no, I want to buy it. And he said, OK, I said, well, let's see if we can make a deal here. And he said, okay, here's the deal. For nine months, save up everything you can. Give me that as a down payment. Over the next five years, I'll, I'll finance it at 6%. That's it. That's the start of Caliente. I have bought four out of five stores with little to no money down. The one that I didn't get with little or no money down, I would have, but he got a divorce halfway through the deal and had to come back and say, can you please give me all the money? And I did. But that's the version of you know where I am today. And yeah, that's you know I can give you more on the COVID and... what we're doing now, but I think when you go through that much ups and downs of diversity, you know, if I can tell people listening one thing, you know, you just have to have gratitude no matter where you are, and you have to, you know, never let the past determine your future.
0: That's right. That's a beautiful thing about the present moment. Past is gone. Future's not here yet. There's things you're worried about. They ain't here yet. So what do we have right here, right now? And I'm just glad to be right here, right now with you here in your story, because it's super inspiring. Will you tell me a little bit more about team what that means to you, how you cultivate it, places where you've experienced that, that camaraderie and that brotherhood and what kind of fun that creates, what kind of job satisfaction that creates. Will you go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, no problem. You know, we have about 200 employees. And keep in mind, this is over eight years. So in the beginning, I have 15 employees. And, you know, you're able to see them every day. You know what they have for cereal. You know what their kids sports are playing. I mean, you're, 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 I don't want to say friends, but you are, you know, you know them really well. You have a great team. You're able to communicate with them. I think where it got tough is you get a second store. And of course, um, you're not really there as much. So now you got 40 people that you need to, to know their name and know what they're eating for breakfast and, and all that stuff. I think it's important. You have to know what's going on in your important team members' lives. It's very important. So I think, what I learned, you know, 40 people, no problem. When we got to the third store and had about 80, 90 employees, it was really difficult. You, you can't know what every every person is doing. You can't know, you know, going back to the cereal. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. And so, basically, what happened was we got a way to be able to communicate. You know, how do you show that you appreciate your employees? That's the That's the part of team. You know, team building is all about communication. There's no doubt about it. If you don't have communication, you can't build a team. That's why they have practices. You know, that's that's what professional athletes, professional teams, if they were so great at playing the sport, they would just go out on Sundays and play the game. Right. But they have training camp and they have practice about the week. And, you know, that's that's where – so how do you do that in a business? How do you have practices in a business? Well, that's called meetings, you know. And, and they wouldn't have practices in a in a professional sports league like this. They wouldn't say, hey – we're just going to practice when everything goes wrong or we're going to practice when this week we'll practice, uh, let's come in tomorrow and the next day. And then the week after, maybe we'll practice Thursday, Friday. You know, that's, that's not how they practice. They say, Hey, practices are every day at this time or, you know, on Tuesdays you're off or whatever it may be. So meetings, we do the same thing every single Monday at eight o'clock. My GMs know there's a phone meeting and we go over all the numbers from the previous week on a chart. Everything from average ticket to voids to sales percentage up, all the growth, everything, labor numbers. We talk it all out Monday, 8 o'clock every single week. Every first Tuesday of the month, we have 35 managers on a call. We get on there and we go through everything that we did the month before and everything that's coming up for the month after. Third Tuesday of every month is upper management meeting and we go through it's like a round table. This is where we built the company. You know, you're talking about people one way that you get your people involved is you let them have a say of where you're going to go. You know, you you always have the final say, but you know, if you've got one person like myself, that's got ideas, how much more valuable is to tap into 20 other minds and see what kind of ideas they have. You know, you don't have to always have the idea. You just have to know how to have the vision to execute it. And that's what I've been really good at. So that meeting, we, we have a round table of, Hey, where do we want to go? Or here's the project we're working on. Let's break it down into smaller groups. Four or five people can work on this. Four or five people can work on this, this. And we kind of work through things like, like that. And then we also have at the end, you know, what do you, that's the meeting. of where can we help you? What does your store need? What, what do we need for our people to help them build? And and that's the type of meetings we have. And then we use group me, which is like a WhatsApp. We have one with all 200 team members on one. We have one, each store has their own. All general managers have their own. Upper management has one. Bar managers have one. And we keep in communication of that all the time. Like, you know, I, I had to make sure my phone's on silent right now because these group meetings will all be going off. They're talking to each other. Hey, can you help me with this? Do you guys need that? They're always talking. So this there's a lot of chatter in our company. and I think that's what's important is, you want the chatter, but you don't want the gossip. You know, we start every meeting, big meeting, kind of the same way. You know, we break down the, the mission statement. We break down the, the different, different things that we talk about every meeting, the product, the service, the image. We talk about how we handle customer complaints. But one thing we always talk about is don't shit in the pool and don't swim in the pool. If you have an issue, you know, you come to your manager or go up above to myself and, and bring it to, you know, whoever you need to, and we'll squash it. But it's really hurtful when you have a, a big organization that something gets back to you that was said, you know, four or five times, by the time it gets back to you, it's not the same story. And it's hurtful. And it really, it, you know, it, it throws a lot of the good work out the window. So we start every meeting by, by saying that don't shit in the pool and don't swim in the pool. Yeah, that's, that's my on, on, on team. I think the other part of it is we do the old-fashioned employee of the months. We do a giant Christmas party. We do a giant summer party, you know, COVID-related. I'm going to think of other ways to do our Christmas party this year. And, you know, there's different things to do. We also do employee shirts. When they get a year's of service, we put it right on the sleeve. I've got, I've been eight years in business. I've got a team member with an eight-year shirt. Got lots of sevens, sixes, and tons of fives and fours. And, you know, we just, we take a lot of big company trips too. Last year we went out to the Pizza and Pasta Expo. I was a keynote speaker. We took 27 team members with us when we go to Las Vegas for the International Pizza Expo where we've had great success with the championships. We take a gang of like 12 people. Very professional out there. We've got all our Caliente shirts on. Everybody knows us everywhere because we travel in a big herd. They all ask where my entourage is. And, you know, (laughs) even uh, people build the company. Like, you know, I may be in the pizza business, but all in all, I'm in the people business awesome
0: yeah tell me about you know in those moments those dark times where you know you're growing up you're separated from your spouse you're you're working 100 hours a, a week you know you're dealing with tons of stress you're trying to figure it out in those moments of darkness what was it that kept you getting up when when life kept knocking you down do you have an approach has it evolved over time what do you do when bad news comes your way what do you do with that
1: that's a great question and I like the way you asked it too. So I'll give you a couple different ones. One is you have to have somebody you can bounce ideas off like-minded. You know, you have to. I've got a great friend. I don't talk to him as much lately over the last so many years, but going through those times, you know, we would talk all the time delivering pizzas. He has built a great business in, in the with the the vaping. As big, you know, vaping's been how how big in the last 10 years. He started making his own vape juice in his living room and has built an extraordinary business doing it. But here's two guys that are just delivering pizzas and we're just talking about how we're going to make it. You know, we would, he would be, and he was from the other side of the state, Wilkes-Barre, great friend of mine. And, you know, he lived with me for a while out there. And I mean, it's just, I guess a real great story about Jimmy. My, my friend was, we worked together years earlier, like 2002 at Papa John's and my wife had met him one time at a Christmas party. And when we were living in Wilkesbury in 2005, he had split up with his girlfriend in Florida. He called me up and says, hey, you're in Wilkesbury. I said, yeah. He says, can I come up and live with you? And I was like, I don't care. Yeah, I can live in my basement. Four days later, he calls me. He says, hey, I'm about a half hour from the exit. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He said, I can live with you in your basement, right? I was like, yeah. So I walked in the living room. I said, so my wife said, uh, remember Jimmy? You met at the Christmas party a couple of years ago. Papa John she's "Like, yeah. like yeah, he's coming to live with us." In, in our <laughs> and I'll tell you what—he ended up loving Jimmy. He's a great guy. You know, it was a, a super good friend, and I think that was one of the things that helped me through those times. And, and really, before I became went out on my own, was we—I came back to Pittsburgh. He stayed in Wilkesbury, He met his wife, and we would just talk. He delivered pizzas. I delivered pizzas, and we would just be. Gabbing about what we're going to do, whether you know, and and he wasn't thinking about the vape business yet. I knew it was pizzas, but didn't know how. And we just would talk about good books we read, good videos we saw. We talk about the you know this is 2007. We talk about the movie The Secret. I can't tell you how many times we both have watched The Secret, you know, 20 plus times. We're we're just talking about this stuff, and so that's one. You got to have somebody that that will give it to you honest, that will listen to your dreams. That a lot of times I think where people get in trouble with talking to somebody is you talk to somebody and they tell you why you can't do anything. You know, oh, you can't do that. That's not possible. This is impossible. Jimmy was, he's a dreamer too, you know, and that's what's so great. He just was one of those guys that you could give him the biggest, craziest idea and and he would go down the rabbit hole of how you could do it. You know, and and that's (laughs) definitely a a way to do it. I think the second one is you got to find your habits. You know, you have to find what works for you. You know, for me, it's, it's gratitude is a big part of it. it is making sure that I'm really grateful for everything and really going going forth because there's times where you feel like you can't be grateful for for anything you know there's I'm talking like every day I go through gratitude and there's times where you go through personal loss and you go through other tough times and you know how do you be grateful on those those days and I think you know if you can be grateful for the time that you did have with somebody or You know, little things sometimes. Maybe it's just the breeze coming through your window in the morning when you're you're going through your gratitude. You know, and it's that's that's the type of things. And then I think the other thing is is a lot of people get in trouble with worrying. You know, like something comes up and they worry. Like that's I I can't remember which book, but one of the greatest things I ever read. When you worry, does it make you feel better? And no, it doesn't make better ever. You know,
0: (laughs) not helpful, right?
1: Yeah. So I don't. You know, I when I start to worry about something, then I think that I'm like, no, it doesn't, you know? And yeah. then I guess there's other things that I've, the little things that are kind of goofy. Like, you know, somebody gives you a hard time, picture him as a cartoon character with a little head yelling at you. Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you'd be surprised this stuff work, you know, like that's just the kind of stuff that like, you can't let things bother you. I think that's my point is you have to have some kind of mechanisms that, that let you just keep rolling on, you know? And, and, you know, the other thing I heard recently is a good one, too. If you do hear something that bothers you that someone said about you, examine yourself. Because you know what? it. You know, if someone said to you, like, hey, you know, you've got ears like Dumbo, and you're like, no, I've had normal ears my whole life. That doesn't bother me. But if someone says something, something to you that does bother you, well, you should probably examine yourself and see why it did bother you. And, you know, maybe you could just work on yourself and get better. You don't have to tell the person they, they hit the bullseye, you know, you just... <laughs> Yourself and be truthful, and I think self awareness is probably you know the last thing that really has come into full retrospect for me is being able to really know myself. And I don't know if that's part of getting older or really understanding what it is, but you, you start to know what makes you tick, what your habits are, what you know, embracing your weaknesses. There's nothing wrong with having weaknesses; just know what they are. And in business, you can hire your weaknesses. Yeah, so I think a lot of great, great things, but a lot of it's just personal discovery, really.
0: I love that approach. That's the thing about humility is it's very difficult to swallow, but man, it's powerful. When you allow yourself to be humbled, that is one of the most profound transformational processes that there is, is the willingness. And that's what I love about people, especially with this show, is we get down to people suffer in so many different ways. And sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it just happens. But to be humble, to engage in that self-awareness, to pay attention to what you're doing that may be upsetting another person. really look at it and accept, you know, the response, like you're talking about getting that feedback, asking when you don't get hired for the job, asking, you know, why aren't you hiring me? That sort of transparency and that humility catapults us so much further forward and really makes our relationships better, makes our relationship with ourselves more able to, you know, really, really figure out what's actually happening instead of deluding ourselves or distracting ourselves from some realities that are there that can really empower us. I just love anybody who says, especially successful people like yourself that have that as a mentality of humility is key. People are, I'm in the people business. You said that's what it all is. We talk frequently about people who have been through cancer or been through combat or been, you know, through awful experiences that have leveled them in this life. And, you know, it's at the end of our life that we look back. It's about the people that we spent time with, the relationships that we had. It's amazing to accomplish awesome things. But to accomplish that with people, and to give you know all the people that you're serving there, you, you're doing these meetings, and you're helping get away from toxic negativity with your with your the way you open the meetings, and then you're just. Bringing about team oriented concepts, building that up. And you know, at work, if we're working 40 hours a day, those are the people that we're spending most of our lives with, even more than our family sometimes. And if we were working 50, 60 hours, so to build those bonds, that's creating a legacy of positive interactions, teamwork that's working together to accomplish a task. And it leads to those conversations two men sitting in a car dreaming about the future, you know, sharing their burdens getting in the trenches of work, and at the same time, you know, dreaming big. I just love that relentlessness. It's, it's so much about resilience, what the show is all designed for. You know, when you think of resilience, what do you think of in your life?
1: And I think about those, nobody understands till so they do it about being a mailman. You, you know, I think everybody thinks that that job is the mail just shows up. All they do is drive around and throw, throws mail into your box. But that, that job is so hard, man. And I was in such a spot after my life, you know, early on in, in recovery, working so many different hours. And then you go there at six in the morning, you don't work an eight hour day. You work till you're completely done. Some of the coldest days of my life have been in that truck. I couldn't even feel my toes and feet when I get home. Some of the hottest days of my life have been in that truck. And, you know, I was working for 18 bucks an hour. And, you know, what it comes down to is, Looking at where I'm, I am now, no matter how bad of a situation in business can be, because let's be honest, right? Like, it, you know, just because you can buy a new car or, or live in a fancy house or go on a fancy vacation, like, there's a lot of ups and downs in business. There's so many things that people don't see, you know. So there are times where you have to just be honest with yourself and, and try to do your best, and you know, be the have humility and be the the better person. But there's times where you have to remember, you know what the alternative is, you know? And, and for me, it's Saturday mornings. Cause that's uh the, you know, I was full time, but I always work Saturday mornings. They just, they would call me in throughout the week to work the other days, but I always work Saturday mornings. So when I wake up Saturday mornings, I'm just thankful. I'm not a mailman. Like, that's just like, that's it. Like, that's the resiliency of, you know, working, a working a job that I could have been stuck at for 30 or 40 years. Like, that's like, I don't know. That, that's the part of me. Like I made it, made it through that. I made it out of the rat race. You know, I, I had the, the know how to burn the ships and say, you know what, I'm just going for it. I'm not going to deliver a little bit at the post office and try to open my own business. No, I'm going to take no money in my pocket and three donuts in my car. And the, the <laughs> fact that I Kung Fu Jitsu talked this guy in the, <laughs> you can go ahead and open up this restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, I'm going to burn the ships and go for it. Like, yeah. That, that's just the type of stuff there's a point in your life where you just gotta you gotta go all in like if you don't try you'll never know you know, and yeah. you know a lot of people talk about how failures have have put them forward you know and there's a lot of things that i tried i would read uh books like the millionaire maker and it would talk about how to open like easy business easy businesses you know quotations you know, like magazine or um, a landscaping business or you know and i tried i tried other things I before the beats business i tried to open other things that you know i just It it didn't work out. And there was just like situations where I just kept going because I knew there was more for me than what was in front of me. And then when I started the business, it was real simple, you you know, and this probably tie everything together for you. I had three goals. I said, how am I going to judge my success? And I I wanted to to make sure I could pay for my kids' college because they were 12 and 10 when we bought the business. I didn't have a penny saved. The next was I wanted a car from this century. I didn't think that was too much to ask for, you know? <laughs> and then the next month, for my family. And then within the first year of my store, we went from 4000 a week to about 20000 a week, going to do a million dollars. And I realized that, you know, I'm going to be able to accomplish all three of those things. And I had to ask myself a real question. Is that really how I judge success? Uh-huh. And it wasn't. You know, the truth became, when the people who work for me can, can do those three things or more for their families, that's when I'm gonna feel successful. So that's why I open more stores. That's why I do the things I do. That's why I try to build a team up, is because I'm trying to create career opportunities. And by doing that, we have. we we've, we've I've watched employees be able to buy their first house or buy a brand new car and go on a vacation they never thought they could and get a you know, get a five or ten thousand dollar bonus check and go to go across to Spain on vacation. Like I've been able to watch. People that, that work for me do those things. And that gives me more, more self-worth than, than anything else. And I think that's how I continue to judge my success. And that, that's really what, what it means for me.
0: That's excellent. I love that. It's satisfying to know that. Talk about people who had said to you, you know, get a real job. You've created a real job for how many people? You've created, you know, dreams, dreams being fulfilled in people. And that's as real as a job gets. What's better than that?
1: No, you're right. You know, it was pretty. Neat was you know, I I wrote my book last year, the Pizza Equation. It was a little bit of everything I learned from everybody I ever worked for. Put it all together with tips and taxes and marketing. wrote wrote the Pizza Equation. Then after writing the Pizza Equation, I had tons of people coming up to me and, and asking me different questions, and and I was giving them all kind of answers. And I realized that you know that's why I wanted to start the Business Equation podcast because I felt like I could help small business owners solve some of their problems. So that's what I've been doing that as well. And I'm getting a lot of great feedback on that. And one of the things that came from having the podcast and from having the book was I got asked to be the keynote speaker at the Pizza and Pasta Expo that I that I mentioned. And I have taught a lot of seminars and a lot of different lectures, but I never gave a keynote. And, you know, like anybody, I started googling and youtubing and you know watching these keynotes and and i wanted to make sure i gave a memorable one and a lot of it you know when you're talking about how to write a keynote it'll, it'll say to have one message throughout you know and that's the message that i made it was about the real job that was the whole message you know and in the beginning i i started off and i said to everybody can i ask everybody a question have you ever heard the term you don't have a real job put their, their hands up because they had heard it. And, you know, and then at the end I said, could." Hey, everybody stand up and they stand up. And I said, look around this room. This is for a bunch of people who never gave up on their dreams and never listened to that real job. You know, everybody give yourself a, a hand here. And, and that was kind of the way I ended it, but it was, you know, showing my journey throughout and that, that never given up. And I thought it was just a, a great way to kind of to have a message to, and a purpose of, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a pizza industry or not, you know, there's a lot of, places where people start in a non-traditional place. They hear that all the time that you don't have a real job. And at the end of the day, you've got to listen to your own voice. The, the voice that's, you know, laying with you in your pillow at night, that's, that's the voice that, you know, you really got to listen to. And you, and if you've got more than one voice, you got to know how to drown the other one out. You know, you, you have to, I think it works better than giving positive affirmations. When you start having negativity creep in i've got a couple things that no matter what are in my head every time that you know talk about abundancy that goes in my head or or i claim some things that i'm already working on that like they're mine as soon as i get negativity creeping in and i think that's the type of things you have to do is you have to get to a certain point where you've got that one positive voice in your head at night that you're listening to it and letting it judge you but not the other voices in in the outside world or even like i mentioned that the other voice that can be in your head sometimes yeah
0: Excellent. And so part of your success is you do a lot of speaking on product service image PSI. For those who are looking to to have you, you know, speak at their event, will you share a little bit about, you know, that concept?
1: Yeah, so you know, no matter what business you have, there's there's certain things that can drive it. And I really feel like product service and image are things that can drive it. You know, for us, you would say, Okay, well, your product's pizza. Well, our product is pizza, our product is, is beer. It's also, you know, all the different menu items that we have, that's, that's all our products. It's, it's the growlers we serve. It's, it's the hot pepper oil that we have. It's, you know, all the products, making sure that everything is top notch when we, we get so much recognition for our pizzas, but we also make sure that our burgers are fantastic. I don't want anything on our menu that, that I wouldn't be happy to serve my mother. It's that simple, you know? So we really talk about products, whatever business you're in, it doesn't have to be the pizza industry, obviously. You want to make sure that you have a product that, that is superior to your competitors, you know, and that, that's that's definitely one concept. Sure, you can go with the other approach where you're going to sell tons and tons of, you know, you're going for quantity, you're not worried about product. But I think in the end, you see throughout throughout history that the companies that stand up are the companies that have always had a superior product. Now, when you get into service Service can be a lot of different things, especially in the restaurant business or even any business. You know, how do you handle people on social media? You know, when somebody comments on your post, you know, they're they're acting like as if they said something in person to you. You better be responding to every single post on social media, every comment. Service can also be the things that you think of in a restaurant. Sure, you know, how quick do you get your food? Do they bring you a drink quick? Do they bring you the receipt at the end? But it goes deeper. You know, how do the hostess greet you? Did they, you know walk you in and make you feel comfortable and tell you about the daily specials, you know, the service of how do they answer the phone up? How did the driver go to the door? Did he pull up with the, the loud music blaring and parking your driveway and run over a kid's bike? Like there's all different types of service, you know, but every small business has different key points of service. And I think what you have to do is you have to find out what's your key points in your business for service. And then you have to make sure, do you have a standard and do you have a practice of how you do that service for each key touchpoint and then when you get an image it can always be displayed a couple of different ways is it the way that somebody looks or is it how your website looks or is it how the window seals as you go into a physical building look like what is the actual image you know and, and your brand image is it the same on the billboard as it is on your website as it is on your flyer as it comes across on the radio like all that different image spreads all the way across. And I think that's what's really important is you want to make sure that everything just stays together. It's like uh, one of those old slinkies, you know, the slinkies that will kind of pull yeah. all, all the way apart. Like that's your brand. You want to make sure that, that slinky stays all the way, you know, and then all stretched out, it comes right back together again. Cause it's all the same thing. You just want to make sure that that's kind of how your brand is, that it's all all together and all the same all the way through.
0: Nice. I love that. All right. Let's see. Nick, I was on the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me?
1: Love to. All right.
0: Who are you thankful for today?
1: My wife and my kids.
0: And now that we've covered who you're thankful for, what are you thankful for today?
1: I'm thankful for, I have the second home that I'm actually at right now, and I'm just so thankful for it. It's kind of my place I go to decompress, and I have an office up here so I can work from here. But I'm just thankful to, to have a place where I get away from the city when I need to get away from the city.
0: How do you fuel the fire within you?
1: Try to have big, giant goals. I really believe that people get stuck when they don't have goals big enough for themselves. All right.
0: What is one thing adversity taught you to value?
1: I think it, it taught me that I'm, I'm worth more than what I thought I was worth. I, I think when you really understand that there's a, a higher power out there and that you're, you're destined for greatness from the very beginning and you believe that great things are possible. What are you doing
0: today? You may have never thought you could.
1: That's a great question too. I I don't know. I think a lot of it is, you know, I I feel like I've manifested a lot of, a lot of my life. So there's a lot of things that, that kind of have, that I've already thought out that I'm doing that I kind of put that way. You know, the thing that I think maybe that I'm surprised about is I knew in 2019, I needed to, to get a hobby. So I've created some great hobbies. So I think it would probably be somewhere along having, having some hobbies that I actually really love.
0: What will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could?
1: Well, you know, for every entrepreneur, at some point, you got to meet with your, your accountant. And, you know, when, you, when I meet with my accountant, he always challenges me. He says, hey, this is where you're at. But, you know, we really, this is where you need to go. You know, you may need to buy buy X and kind of go after it. And, you know, I met with him yesterday and he came, kind of gave me some challenges throughout the rest of the year. Like, Hey, it's not just like buying a car for write-off or stuff like this, but Hey, we've got to think about some other businesses that maybe you haven't thought of yet. We need to bigger you know, purchases because you know, you're growing, you gotta, you gotta, can't just, the key when you start making money is how do you keep, keep the money. And that's where you know you gotta listen to individuals. So I think you know what's on the horizon for me may be uncomfortable, but I think when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where you grow.
0: Awesome. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work?
1: The simple way is nickbogaz.com, and that's B-O-G-Animal Cat Zebra. Instagram, nickbogazofficial. Official, of course the Business Equation Podcast, new one goes out every Monday. I've had a lot of lots of great guests on there. The Peace Equation book is on Amazon. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter at Nick Bogaz and Caliente Pizza and Drafthouse. You can see Pizzadrafthouse.com. you learn more about the business.